0: all right everybody welcome back to another episode of kente corner i'm bobby bancroft and back again it's been a long time i've got nationwide nolan does the film sessions for casual hoya nolan what's up man hey bobby how's it going some good news today big day i mean this has been this It's probably been a big week um, you know, I wanted to have you on to go over some of the film stuff you've been doing this week, but I think we'd be absolutely burying the lead if we didn't talk about the two players the Hoyas and Patrick Ewing picked up this week. I'll go over I'll go over it real quick and then we can we can talk about it. Um today, obviously at 10 o'clock this morning, Georgetown the rarity. In a, I guess it wasn't televised, but television isn't involved anymore. It's Instagram Live. Uh, Jordan Riley, a three star combo guard out of New York, class of 2021, committed to Georgetown over fellow Big East rivals St. John's, who was the favorite, Connecticut, Kansas, and Florida State. And then earlier in the week, Georgetown picked up the rare um, grad transfer with two years of eligibility, which is a DMV local kid, Don. Carry or Donald Carry he basically a Jamie and Christian guy was at Mount St Mary's and then he followed Christian to Siena and sat out and Christian never coached him at Siena and he in 3 years was able to graduate and I think a lot of people thought he was going to go to GW which makes a lot of sense instead he gives the Hoyas a much needed um you know second option to Javon Blair a big guard big week for the Hoyas
1: yeah, and I think you touched on it with Jamie and Christian at GW. I mean, Georgetown kind of came in with both these kids and scooped them right out under um, the other local schools. I think everybody assumed Riley was headed to St. John's and Carey uh, would just follow Christian to GW, but boys were able to turn them both. Carey um, definitely fills, you know, the immediate need. I think his specific role was absolutely crucial for next year. Um, yeah. Kind of just to avoid disaster, you needed that secondary playmaker. I assume Jalen Harris is gonna start at point guard. I would think Carey probably slides in right next to him and just gives you another option to handle the ball and create a little bit. And then the big news today was Riley, and that is a long-term play, which could be, I mean, if you read what some of the national guys have to say, they all seem to think that kid was set to just blow up the spring and summer. So you said, the three star, but you know, the way people talk about him and what you see from the high school season, he, he looks like much more than that.
0: Yeah. So it's crazy. It's July. You wouldn't, you know, it's July during a pandemic. You wouldn't think that there was just so much to get to, but just in what you said, we can go on some, some serious um, side conversations. Uh, Let's start with, let's go back for a second to Carrie and you brought up an interesting topic. So next year, assuming there's a year, I don't know how confident I am that there's going to be college basketball, but let's just say there is. Mm-hmm. People like starting fives, so obviously Wahab well, is starting. Okay, I think we can we can probably both agree yeah. on that. Okay, uh, Jalen Harris is starting. Correct. I agree. Okay, Pickett's starting, but you could probably argue the three or the four based on what you're what your position is on the transfer from, what is he, from Northwestern State, Chudier Bile? Yeah. So Pickett's in there. I, so well, who are the yeah, other two starters? I,
1: I, I tend to think Pickett is your small ball four.
0: Okay. And then
1: for now, I mean, my guess would be they go three guards. I think the way Blair looked at times last year, um, and for his shooting ability, he's got to be out there as a senior. And then you have would go carry and Harris alongside him in the backcourt. Okay. Um, and then think... Pickett and what? Yeah, the ticket holds up, and then I think Wahab is kind of the X factor. If he makes a jump, you're suddenly not looking so bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think most places, and I don't think that any Georgetown fans or followers necessarily, you know, have their arms in the air. I think it was was it was it SI that came out in the last couple of weeks and had Georgetown 10th or 11th, and it's just like. Shoulder shrug. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, wh- yeah. you know, um, I will say this and I always liked and obviously Blair Blair did some great work once uh, Matt got hurt and all that stuff. I do. And maybe it's just my sort of basketball philosophy or whatever. I like being able to tap a guy on the shoulder on the bench and say, hey, get in there. And if you start carry and Blair, do you have a guy that you know that you sort of trust because basically everyone else is going to be a freshman, right?
1: Sure. Um, Yeah, that's a a good question. Um, I just struggle right now to come up with that fifth
0: starter. Right. Um, I think a lot of people want it to be Jamari, right?
1: Yeah, and I have some pretty big reservations about that at this point.
0: Um, And we will get to that when we go over your film session. But yeah. But (sighs) I think I think you're going to need next to Harris.
1: You're going to need a shooter and that's Blair, and I think to go with that, you can't ask Harris to do all the ball handling and playmaking, which I think Blair lacks a bit of, and I think Carey kind of meshes right in there with the two of them, and his strengths or their weaknesses, um, you know, he's not gonna, I just think he's a solid contributor, and, you know, the other part of that is he is immediately eligible, and you still get two years out of him, so kudos to him for the early graduation.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know how long ago you were in college. It's been a while for me, even though I consider, I don't think of myself as that old, but when you start to think about when you graduated college, you're like, well, shoot, I guess I am getting old. Um, you know, you know, even though I don't think most people think of places like Mount St. Mary's or Siena as big time, they are division one. And if you come in right away, which these guys, you know, if you're just a average college kid you you know you have your whole summer off which is usually about what two and a half months these guys Mm -hmm. don't leave campus right you know so they're constantly taking classes and you know I I don't care I don't care where you are I don't know the academics at Mount St. Mary's or Siena but to come up with 120 credit hours which I'm assuming is still the standard in three years is pretty impressive
1: yeah it is I think that speaks to the quality of a kid you're getting there um you know somebody who on paper looks like he's high character
0: and who knows maybe he maybe he came in with a bunch of AP courses and had a bunch of credits I don't know but either yeah. what whichever path he found to graduate and i i think his actual his graduation might still be pending i think it might there might be some okay. classes going on now still but either way really really impressive yeah um so you know i i I mean, I know that you're, you know, you're following all this stuff. I didn't even know he was in the mix. Were you, were you aware of this?
1: When his name came across that he was transferring, um, I followed the Mac. So I knew he was a a good player. I mean, Sienna went 15 and five this year in the Mac, which is always a decent, um, low to mid major league. And he was arguably second, third best player on that team. But when I saw that, I just assumed, oh, he's, he's just going to make that move to George Washington. Um which seemed like a reasonable level, a ten for him to be in, but um I'm glad Georgetown did show that interest and in clearly playing at a higher level than the A ten appealed to him. So seems like a good fit.
0: Yeah, and you know, sure, I mean, you know, just to think back, and I know people kinda don't like they don't want to keep hearing about McClung and Akinjo and I totally get it. Um, but when you look at the backcourt size at what it started out last year and what it could be this year. Yeah. It's a pretty big difference, and I could only think that that would help defensively, right?
1: Yeah, you need to make as much incremental progress on that end as you can. So he's, you know, a long arm, 6'4", 6'5". Harris has good range and size as a point guard. So I, I do think even if you played three guards a lot of the time next year, there's enough size and length and um, experience to, to hold up.
0: And he's, he's a pretty good three-point shooter
1: yeah and then that was a big
0: need you know there's there's times man where i i just really wish jagan i feel like jagan got to the point where he would kind of he would only shoot it when it was like he knew it was going in if that makes any sense like he was just so so picky about when he would take shots and there was at some point you're like you know look when you look around it's like look who's gonna score you know yeah um i mean so that
1: and part of Jagan's issue was he just couldn't create off the dribble. I mean, if you think of how many times we ever saw him take a a jump shot off the dribble, it was, it was rare. And that's something I think Kerry can do a little bit of.
0: Yeah. And it's something that, that Allen, you know, God bless him in that, in that big East tournament, you know, until he got that cramp, it looked like Georgetown was on their way. And there was, there was times where Allen was, was kind of giving that to you, but you know, Jagan and Jagan and Allen did a great job, um, but they're gone, and that's that's kind of the crazy part. Is you know you're like oh you know Georgetown and Ewing they you know they you know even though they lost their last however many games they were in all of them, but then for such a small team they lost a lot of those players, you know yeah. so it wasn't it, you know it wasn't like they had a small team and everyone's coming back. It's like Ewing only had a couple players and a bunch of them had to leave.
1: Yeah, I mean, and yeah, not to shortchange what Terrell and Jagan did last year. I think for the majority um, of that season, especially when Mac went down, those two gave you NCAA tournament caliber guard play, and just the rest oh, yeah. of the roster. Oh yeah. It, it just wasn't
0: didn't happen. No, I mean those guys. You know, I mean, I think even if if Omir had been healthy 100 percent and you still didn't yeah. have Mac. They might have found a way to limp across the line, but at some point, there just, there just, there just wasn't enough. So I didn't think that they were going to use the third. If, if you told me last week, you said, "Hey, Bobby, you think that they're going to use their 13th scholarship?" I'd be like, "No." I mean, you know, they, no, they're not. Yeah. Um. And then they did, and not only did they use it, they used it in a guy that's probably going to give them two years of some pretty quality play. So you know, the staff kind of gets crushed a little bit here and there. This was a pretty good pull, and you know it was funny, um I think um malinowski was on maybe the maybe that um with uh, Dickerson and Smith, or maybe it was on yeah. dog talk, I can't remember which one, but um, I think he mentioned that g w was after him, and when George Sean came in, he was like, "Oh hell, yeah, so yeah, it might be the kind of situation where you know. <laughs> those guys that are kind of like, you know, right on the line there of a 10 big East. And you get that call from Georgetown and you're like, I'm ready. Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, that's throwing, kind of being the biggest school out there has helped them with quite a few kids that are coming in. I mean, you think of Beard jumped at your offer. We're going to have to wait a year for him. Um, But Kobe Clark was the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Dante Harris jumped at your offer. So as long as you're evaluating the talent right, when you come in with that offer, it can work to your advantage for sure.
0: It can. So, you know, as you know, when you're a team that's missed the tournament for years and the local recruiting isn't going the way anybody wants it to, when you basically pull on St. John's, what's been happening to you, you know, whether or not you yeah. think Hoyas were heavy after Quincy Allen. It, well, I don't, I, you know, I think all, all, all the uproar about Quincy Allen wasn't, the Quincy Allen. It was just the fact of like everyone's just so thirsty to get a local kid, particularly one that's, you know, a four star. And I think Allen at the moment is like top fifty or top sixty or something. So I don't think But I I was part of
1: I was part of that uproar. And you're right, it's more of the fact it's a team takeover kid who goes to high school ten minutes from campus. Right. Just to kind of put yourself on solid footing with relationships and having a local kid that even if he doesn't turn out to be great, it just seems like that was one you probably could have won, that you let it well, get and, away.
0: And it's not like, you know, okay, Villanova took him, or Syracuse got him, yeah. or, you know, it's Colorado, right? Yeah. And I think, I think all those things together, I think it's irrational to be crazy upset about Quincy Allen, but I think that if, you know, and I think you were probably in this boat, I think I was a little bit too, I think it's just... It's just, it's everything together. And then you you can kind of just yeah. like focus it in that moment on that particular guy. But anyway, yeah, although, Georgetown pulled that on St. John's.
1: Yeah. And if you were to tell me a week later, hey, you can have Jordan Riley instead of Quincy Allen, I would have signed up for that in a second. So apologies to the staff for that one. Um, <laughs> my thought today actually was could this possibly turn the tide and be our um, version of Stephen Domingo for Josh Hart, where yeah. Reverse roles. So who knows? But I, today I think was a massive addition.
0: Yeah. I mean, not to slander Quincy Allen and I haven't seen him live, but I was sort of wondering why he was top 50. Right. I mean, I. Yeah. Compare, com- comp- compared to this kid as much yeah. compared, compared to Jordan Riley.
1: Yeah. I mean, I haven't, I can't remember the last time Georgetown landed an athlete who looked like that and was that explosive. I know everybody talks about Mac stunks but Mac was not built like this kid
0: so. oh no Compl- I mean yeah Mac was the highlight I mean he I, I don't think has has college basketball had another player like him in this sort of uh YouTube era I mean McClung is just a different thing but when you yes. look at when you look at Riley and ukulele, how he plays and you look at his you know just his his height just everything I mean I think when's the last time Georgetown recruited or got a commitment? Well, he hasn't signed yet, but you know, a verbal from a kid that you're like, that could be an NBA guard. Yeah, right? I think you, you saw flashes with L.J. Peak. Oh, um, yep, yeah, you're right, you're right.
1: But even L.J., I, I just think th- the way Jordan Riley just gets off the ground, it's it's not something we've had, um, you know. And how good is his jump shot? How refined can he make the other parts of the game? He remains to be seen, but. Um, like I think I read today, he has a a football background, and you can kind of see that just with the physicality, um, and how put together he is. I mean, when Kansas and Florida State come calling to check in on you, um, that kind of tells you the caliber of athlete he is.
0: Now, I I didn't have a chance, and I don't know how long how, how much you were doing today. Do you have any idea about the Kansas and the Florida State interest and the fan reactions and those types of things? I mean, I cuz you I mean, basically today it was just, you know, and I'll say I almost felt bad for the St. John's fans cuz like I get what just yeah. happened to them. You know what I mean? If that makes any yeah. sense. And yeah. I think Connecticut was kind of I feel like, you know, when um some of the New York people were saying it's like it's down, it's down to a, a big east race and i had heard this week that it was it was looking Georgetown or or St. John's but it wasn't my story to put out there so I was not I was not doing that. But do you have any sense that Kansas or Florida state was sort of like, oh bummer or was that just, you know, they're in such great spots that something like this isn't going to phase them?
1: Yeah, I think Kansas is in a position where if they want <laughs> to they can take a flyer on a kid like that. I from what I read Norm Roberts he kind okay. of pokes around the northeast to see who's out there um obviously now i think even though dc's not all that close to long island it's certainly closer than lords kansas and with all that's going on um maybe they just didn't really consider kansas or tallahassee all that much um florida state i i'm not sure um the only thing i know with them is they certainly have a good eye for talent so oh yeah that's a positive sign
0: yeah i think i think riley would be the kind of guy you know after a couple years because it's hard to break in into kansas and start right away but yeah. let's say he's like a junior on kansas and you're like how did kansas get this kid yeah you know they
1: always have somebody like that
0: right they and do No, the
1: other thing today that surprised me is i mean his father pretty clearly stated that georgetown had the playing time right away so i wonder if viewing now is you know, at first he would have seemed like a guy who's not gonna promise anything, but now, you know, with the way things are going, do you throw that out there with a kid like this and say, Hey, you know, the opportunity's there and that seems like it might have just pushed George down over the top. Um I thought I read somewhere that's father kinda of reservations that you know, Saint John's has another New York kid, Posh Alexander, playing guard. Yeah. Um so that might have factored in. Um, or Ewing just Saw the talent and says yeah this this is a kid i can build around
0: yeah i usually i think you're along the same lines i usually think that kids like this usually aren't worried about someone being better than them right no because they've always been better than everyone else and they don't think that's going to change until it actually does you know what i mean like they're not going to believe that stove is hot till they touch it and it actually is um but, yeah, I did I did see those quotes. Um, I saw he already has number 12, um, yeah. which which um, I actually put on Twitter that Kevin Braswell was the last scholarship number 12 because I was looking at the media guide, and the media guide, you know, it lists all the players by um, numbers and alphabetically, but it doesn't list the players that are currently wearing the numbers. So I had to immediately um, go back on that because how could I forget Alan wore 12 this year. Yeah. So it was a little bit of a, of a brain fart for me, but, but yeah, it it does look like the dad was heavily involved. They, they came up and they took, they took a visit without even, you know, telling anybody they were going to come up, you know, because everything's crazy right now and you can't do all that, all that formal stuff. But, you know, he gave good quotes. He gave the kind of quotes where I think everyone sort of expected those just to be there all the time of, I want to go play for Ewing because He's an all-time NBA great. He was an NBA coach forever. Yeah. I want to be in the NBA. And, you know, obviously that's why Omir came. And that's kind of why it's so crazy when Mac is like, you know, I'm out of here. And I think at some point we'll find out that maybe Mac got, you know, felt that they try to rush him back. Or I don't know. There's something weird yeah. with McClung. But, you know, you would think this would be the whole allure with Ewing is NBA, NBA.
1: Yeah. And we we got that, you know, when he first took the job. Um akinjo i I think said as much, yeah um, but it's still i mean he's been there, he's done it, um it still has to be a major selling point when when he recruits, and credit to louis Orr for this one too, oh, yeah. um, he's certainly somebody myself included where like, why is you know at his age, why is he he wanted is he one of your assistants was actively recruiting, but he had the relationship, and uh clearly played a
0: part how old is you know speaking of something you said a minute ago and i did see the quotes from norm roberts how old do you think norm i mean because like i feel like norm roberts who you know tried to do the saint john's thing he was there for a while and you never really got the, got them over the hump but he's been like a great assistant with with kansas right um yeah. he's not exactly a young, young guy i i was i guess sometimes i forget he's still there and part of you know one of the premier programs and Mm. you know they should be using the relationships like this and i guess um i guess or was the coach of one of the coaches there at um what is it is it uh uh, if you
1: remember the big guy from seton hall uh john garcia who was like oh five to oh nine i think he only played for or his first year okay but uh you have to figure if you had Louis Orr and then you went to Bobby Gonzalez, you, you probably will appreciate Louis Orr a little bit more.
0: <laughs> oh man, Bobby Gonzalez. Yeah, that was they went to him and then what was it? Who was it after that? Is that is it to, just to to Willard?
1: I think they went right into Willard, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um okay. So I think for Kente Corner, this has been one of the more positive segments, right? Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> okay. So let's just keep on the 2021 20, before we go into the breakdown of the freshmen. Um, so I'm just going to come out and say it. If you start with a class of Riley and Beard, that's a really good class. I'm not so confident Beard's still going to be on board. And how much do you think the position and who Georgetown's still recruiting? if you can sort of like read the tea leaves, like, I guess how confident do you, are you that, you know, beard is going to, is going to show up like he said he would.
1: I'm more confident than when that news first broke that he was going to Hargrave. Uh, okay. Mostly because Kevin Gras, Graswell let it slip that it was academics, which yeah is the only thing that really makes sense. I mean, if you're leaving home from Chicago, why are you going there instead of just the school? Um, so I, I'm hopeful. Um I mean I because think,
0: if they if, if if these guys show up this is this is a great class so far.
1: Yeah. I, but you do you need to get pen to paper with both of these kids. Um you know, the uncertainty if we do have a season it can't be a total disaster or else who knows, anything would be in play. Especially with a kid like Riley. I mean and we saw this maybe with Terrence Williams that You got to stay on these kids, have their relationship because kid like him who was set to break out this year, if schools get desperate and start poking around, you just don't know. An early signing day, unless they have changed. is it still November? I think it is. Um, You know,
0: between that and football, they've done so many changes the last couple of years. I think that they're still – because I think, yeah, because the big news was that last November – you know, signing day came and went and Terrence Williams didn't sign, which, yeah, you know, people try to play it down like, oh, he's just leaving his option open. And it's like, that's ah, not great, guys. This is not great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's um, I,
1: that's the thing. I mean, you, you have to make sure they get here first. But uh, as far as two building blocks in a class, especially at the guard position, uh, couldn't get off to a much better start than that.
0: Now, okay, so let's keep it positive. So let's say they're both coming. That would kind of put them out of the. Like they wouldn't need another point guard.
1: I wouldn't think so, but they still. I mean, I think the dominoes are going to start to fall. They already have, but uh, the Bensley Joseph kid they've been involved with it seems like he's headed to Miami. Um, yeah. They still want Malachi Smith. It feels like.
0: And um, that's where I'm. That's where I'm sort of wondering why.
1: Yeah, and I became even more curious after looking at more of Dante Harris. Um, it doesn't, guard doesn't seem like a huge need right now if Beard is coming in. Um, I would kind of rather see them go after a three, four hybrid, a combo forward. And then I think now Matombo is kind of the big fish out there that you need to reel in.
0: Yeah. So I think, I think the super, the super happy, positive, fun time class is Riley. It's beard, it's Matumbo, and then it's probably like a wing, right? And you know, if you were if you were going to be completely like best case, and I I don't have all the wings memorized, a local wing, right? Like that would be like, oh my god, like they just blew twenty twenty one out of the water, right? Yeah. And there always seems to be
1: a DMV kid who kind of emerges later on in the season. Um, I don't have a great recall on who's out there for this class, but yeah. Or somebody. I mean, I think one thing with Ewing and the Riley recruitment is he can go into New York and kind of flex his muscle. So, you know, that's an area you kind of have to comb a little bit more now. Um, I think his pitch, who he is, it, it resonates there. And it should. Yeah.
0: Particularly it's, with if if you have if you have you know if the parents are really involved exactly. in the recruitment yeah. because that's where it's going to really resonate, right? That's,
1: yeah, right in the
0: wheelhouse, yeah. So, and I think, you know, I think, I think you've seen it. You know, I know, you know, Andrew tweeted something, you know, so hilarious for Andrew about, you know, he's shutting the blog down if Matumbo doesn't (laughs) show up, which, see, you know, that seems just a, just a tad dramatic, (laughs) particularly when you remember that Patrick Ewing Jr. needed to spend two winters in Bloomington before he decided to show up, right, where his dad became famous. So, yeah. you know, I think it's a lot of pressure on Matumbo, and I know he wants to wait late, and I know he wants – because he's just – I mean, he's gone from, like, a mid-major recruit to mm. a guy, right? And I think he deserves yeah. all of the – everybody wooing him and go through the process and all those things. But I think a guy like Jordan Riley, and not to put too much on him, just another high school kid, right – but I think when you know Ewing's like, look, I, I'm I'm getting the band back together, man. Yeah, like it's not just Motumbo and the Miracles. Like I want you yeah. to be part of this great exactly. class. And and I think y- you know
1: Motumbo, I I feel like he's needed a reason to go to Georgetown. He's not just going to go because of his father. And
0: and, and, and think, you know what,
1: he shouldn't. No, he shouldn't. And you know, if you put him in a position where there's nobody, no other talent coming in he's not the type of player he's a, I think a very good player and can get better with time but he's yeah. not going to step on campus and be the savior and to put yeah. that expectation on him um, it's probably not something he would want and I, I can't blame him for that but you start to get more talent in the program and then he's a piece of the of, of the cog instead of being the main show and I think it starts to look more appealing for him so it's you need that momentum in recruiting and, and today was big.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I'll say one more thing and, you know, you follow recruiting high school or for college or for football and basketball. I notice the Canes are doing really well with their local recruiting during the pandemic, but, you know, uh, Jordan also said the good stuff, right. Of, you know, and guys say this all the time and it's better to say it than not say it, but, you know, he's like, I'm going to try and get, you know, my friend, I'm going to try and get this guy. I'm going to try and get that Mm. guy. And, you know, obviously those kids are going to make decisions based on Them, their family, their coaches, all that stuff. But you definitely like to hear that, right? Yeah,
1: especially, I mean, if we're to assume one of the top targets left is is Malachi Smith. I mean, two New York kids, there, there probably is a prior relationship there.
0: Yeah, the New York kids. It was actually like, I think I triple checked it. But the last two, you know, the only two recruits this century from New York are both Jesse's. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Dickerson is a New York kid, but he was, you know, he went to Iowa and I think San Diego or not San Diego, but South Dakota State first, right?
1: Iowa to South Dakota, yeah,
0: yeah, so yeah, so the and I think Sap actually did like a prep year up in mayor. I think he was like national Christian. I don't know, he was at some he didn't play high school basketball in, yeah,
1: he uh he went to national Christian, yeah,
0: yeah, but still, you have Jesse Sap that worked out pretty well. Yeah, Jesse Govan, I know the team success wasn't there, but Jesse was all Biggie's performer, you know, and now you, you know, now you got you got uh, Jordan Riley. But um that's not for, you know, that's not going to be for this season, assuming there is a season. Um you were breaking down some of the film and this would have been the time where, you know, we could have had a talk like, "Hey, I saw this at Kenner League, and mm-hmm. I'm really high on TJ Berger. I had no idea he could shoot from mid court, you know. And there's all these Kenner League recaps and all these things that you see, but we don't have that. We don't have that. But what we do have is we have YouTube. And I couldn't help but notice you were kind of going over some of the YouTube stuff this week, mainly for the kid from Louisiana, Colin Holloway. You were doing some Jamari Sibley stuff, and probably the first the first guy who was kind of came out of nowhere. And I had a guy from Tennessee Preps come on. Uh, Dante Harris. What are we going to expect from Dante Harris? I
1: I want to be guarded in my optimism because...
0: You were being really optimistic.
1: Yeah. I <laughs> think if you watch his high school, um, that's, I think some of the games are on, on YouTube and the competition level that he played against, they you just can't take anything away from that. But when he Which was played... Kind of, that,
0: was, that was kind of the thing with uh, Mac though, right?
1: It was, yeah. Um but Mac was so dominant in high school, it was like, okay. And he got progressively better that senior season that okay. it was it was hard to imagine he wasn't gonna be um that it wasn't gonna translate. But with Harris, if you were to watch um actually all of his AU games ended up on synergy, so I was able to look at those and from the player he was in the spring, you wouldn't have thought much of him. It's easy to see why he got overlooked. But then when the July um, Under Armour event came around, that whole, I think it was seven or eight days, um, he was just a completely different player. And I assume that's when Georgetown kind of first spotted him. And then I think it did take a while to offer. I want to say they offered in October and then he committed pretty much that same week. Oh, yeah. Um, But if you watch him that week uh, for B. Mays was his AAU team. He was dominant. Uh, quickest player on the court, can get to whatever spot he wanted. I think they finished second in that tournament. Um, and he just, I mean, a couple teams would try to press. He had no problem with that. Nobody could stay in front of him. Uh, he made jump shots. He's got a good-looking jump shot. And just how quick he is really stands out. And physically, even though he says he's six feet now, hopefully I think I think he
0: tweeted that today, didn't he?
1: Yeah. Um <laughs> good I good for him. I would probably guess more towards 5'10, 5'11. Yeah. But he's a sturdy 5'10, 5'11. Um he's strong. Uh he finishes That's going to be the main thing how he navigates um around the paint cuz he's going to be able to get in the paint. Um I know people after kind of posted his highlights wanted to compare him to Akinjo. Um I don't think it's crazy to throw that at him um, because I think he might. I think he is quicker with the basketball than Akinjo was, um, but James was a little bit bigger um, and certainly played better competition. Yeah. So time will tell, but to me, it looks like they have a steal with him.
0: I think, I think you know, and not to not to keep it with Akinjo, who I thought was a great player, and I think, you know. I think it would have been it would have been better if Georgetown was able to keep him somehow, right? If they were able to kind of, you know, navigate the egos or whatever it was that kind of blew up the team. But yeah. one of the things that so I'm not this is not a bashing a Kinjo session because I think he's a really good player. One mm-hmm. of the things that was surprising with him is how much he struggled finishing, right? Yeah.
1: And I think for him, um, you know, he'd get into no man's land, and yeah. a lot of times it was score first, where I mm-hmm. think with Harris, he's a little bit more willing. Um, yeah, I, I think his vision is just a tad bit better, where he'll kind of get in there and probe and, and make the right play.
0: Yeah, I remember at the time talking to people, because I do have some contacts down there, and it was you know, he's playing at a school that's kind of brand new and, you know, you're not going to learn a whole lot about him based on what happens in high school, but he is the kind of kid that, you know, once the rosters start filling out and people start looking around, he's the kind of guy that is going to look really good. And, you know, Georgetown went in there early and yeah. if they have an eye for talent, then it's something, cause he was looking at schools and I'm going to, I talked to some coaches at some smaller schools at the time that were sort of involved or not involved, but were you know, monitoring him. And I think it was more of, you know, like sunbelt type or, you know, I can't remember. The, like, is there, is, is the Atlantic sun still, still a conference? It is. Yeah. So I think he was looking at more like that. And then, but, you know, I think there, there, there were some other big schools that were also monitoring him. So then when Georgetown came in, it was just like, mm-hmm. okay. OK. Yeah. And, you know, I,
1: I make a big deal of this, his size, but I mean, you know this from covering mid-major hoops. If you can play at, at, at the guard spot, you can play. Usually it translates. I yeah. mean, the rigors of a Biggie season can wear on you a bit,
0: but right.
1: I, to me, he just looks like a player.
0: Yeah, you and that that's kind of the reason that you see the mid-majors kind of accomplish what they can do in the tournament. I mean, shoot, we don't we don't need to get into that because it's happened yeah. to Georgetown, right? But yeah, usually it is the big man at the mid-majors that usually doesn't necessarily always translate, right? Yeah, that's, it's
1: just a collective size and length issue when when you yeah. step up a level.
0: Um okay, and so Georgetown, you know, because Beard reclassified and we're gonna go ahead and say that he's still coming. Um, I think the you know, the players that the fans were looking forward to the most were Beard and Jamari Sibley. And mm-hmm. what did you kinda of come across in your most recent film watching of him and what kind were you were you watching AAU, were you watching the high school stuff?
1: A little bit of both. Um and for him it's he played on an Oak kill team um. Right. Well, actually, on on both of his – the travel team and and Oak Hill, I mean, he was not the best player. Um, Oak Hill has a kid, Cam Thomas, going to LSU, who he doesn't like to pass the ball, and I can't blame him because that kid can just score. So Sibley – and then he got hurt, um, but he just kind of had to fill in a role. And, I mean, Oak Hill Hill is always loaded. Um, Right. And then with Team Phenom out of Milwaukee for his travel season, I mean, he played with – Patrick Baldwin was on that team. Um, Jalen Johnson is going to Duke. And then I believe Jamin Brakefield also going to Duke. So, I mean, already you're kind of the fourth option there. But my concern with Sibley is there's really no discernible skill set yet. Um, and I think he just lacks the strength and for, I, I would say consistent effort um goes along with that uh that i i'm concerned about, and I think you know we 've looked at him as top one hundred recruit um where yeah. needed talent that he's just gonna kind of slide into to a big role and i 'm not sure that's really in the cards for next year um but what he is he's he's a rangy six eight athlete um but I just don't know what he does at a you know high major level right now where he he's really gonna help you next season.
0: So how different, and I know they're completely different players, but how different, or I guess, is there any similarities with what you kind of with what Ewing kind of got out of Pickett his freshman year?
1: Yeah, I don't think um, as a Pickett shooter, was he,
0: Pickett came in and shot like 153s. I mean, I think, I think yeah. he made it like maybe 35 percent or maybe a little bit less. But he, yeah. he you know, and, he gave you something.
1: Yeah, and he kind of, I mean, that was, he's a spot up shooter, um, which Sibley I don't think is going to be. He's going to have to find his way on offense. Okay. And I think the best version of him it will be somebody who can cut, who can hit the offensive boards, and just make plays with his energy. But I think the lack of strength. And Ewing's also going to have to get him to play harder a little bit more often. And then I think you can see those, those positive attributes uh, bear out. But he's got to be an energy guy. I don't think you're ever going to run offense through him. Um, I don't think he'll ever be a great shooter from outside, but at his best, he's going to be able to do a little bit of everything. But I, I think where his real value lies would be in a athletic, versatile defender who can get up and down the court.
0: Okay, and then he, I know he had he had some injuries last year.
1: Yeah, I can't remember what it was at. Oklahoma. I think it was his wrist, almost, right? Yeah, I want to say wrist.
0: Yeah, you know, and then going back, this is not Georgetown-related, except in the fact that it is kind of a little bit because of Tremont Waters. LSU, how do they keep getting these guys? Do well, do I have to ask?
1: You don't have to ask. Um, <laughs> well, how, I,
0: how is it still happening?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you watch a kid like that, and I was like, how? I think LSU is to the point where they're on kids that, you even get Kentucky that shies away from them and LSU is right there and they, they just don't seem to have a care in the world.
0: Yeah. I mean, that machine just keeps on rolling. And I mean, I, you know, I had a chance to cover them. They were in town, you know, the last time there was an NCAA tournament, they, they made the, you know, the regionals here in uh, DC and, you know, it seemed like their team was collapsing at that point and everybody was leaving and all this other stuff. And then, Next thing you know, Wade keeps his job. The big recruits keep rolling in. They have LeBlanc. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just—it's just unbelievable. Yeah, I um, mean,
1: and this kid Thomas—I mean, he's Oak okay. Hill. He played for Boo Williams. You know, that kind of usually screams ACC, but LSU got him to go south.
0: Yeah. Well. Anyway. Um, Georgetown used to do really, well, you know, I guess they had, speaking of LeBlanc, um, but there was a time with Big John where, you know, New Orleans, Louisiana, there was a big, there was a big Georgetown pipeline, it seemed like. Mm. And Colin Halloway, who, from what I've seen, he looks, you know, and I know I always get accused of being the, uh, JT3 apologist. That's totally fine. I will, I will wear that. He seems almost like he would have fit in well with the Princeton.
1: Yeah, he almost – I mean, I think most would have considered him a reach for this class. If you go back to when they got Jarrell Benham, that was considered a reach. And Benham's years at Georgetown, obviously, I don't know. How would you – it wasn't great, but he still played over Henry Sims at times and obviously then took off when he transferred. Um, I think he is kind of – Holloway is – you know, kind of tweener three four. I would say he's a four. Um that doesn't really look to score the ball. He's happy setting a screen, happy making plays for others. Yeah. Um struck me to take him because he just doesn't seem to fit the athletic profile that Ewing's after. He's very Wait. much a ground bound player. He's um, he's not overly athletic. Um which is but which is, is kind of uh, why
0: I was saying he looks to me like a JT three point forward yeah, type, right?
1: Yeah, and he played on a pro skills team out of Texas that had a decent amount of talent. Um, he but he started every game. He was probably you know fourth option, um, but he just kind of moves around the court and doesn't try to play outside of himself. Uh, I think he's from what I've seen. He looks like a pretty smart player. I think when he committed, everybody's like. You know where did this kid come from? Is he a preferred walk-on? Yeah. You know, I, I think I think he can hang at a Division One, at at a, you know, him playing substantial minutes at a high major and a Big East conference might be a stretch, but you know, you don't need a superstar at every spot. You need the tenth, eleventh guy who's willing to accept a role. You know, hopefully somebody who can stay four years and when called upon just just does their job. And I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility for him.
0: Anything on his, on just, you know, he he looked like he was a little bit, I think you might've said it, below the rim.
1: Yeah, um, he definitely is. Um, do you think he he's someone that,
0: that could end up, you know, finding a way to make that perimeter jumper? His, the mechanics on
1: his jump shot aren't terrible. Um, I think over time, he'll, he can get more comfortable out there. Um to me I, I think maybe his best tribute right now is his passing ability. Um, I think he's a pretty sturdy defender as well. Um not over athletic, but uh he actually I don't know if it was last May or last July when they played team takeover, him and Terrence Williams pretty much went head to head. And he hung right in there. Um Williams is a pretty talented scorer shooter, but I think Holloway, he's, he's a pretty sturdy defender and I I do think your comparison to a JT3 player um is is not much of a reach. I think he's just a fundamentally sound smart player.
0: So, we talked about the starting lineup a little bit ago. So you base so you've got your starting five, let's say it's Blair, it's Pickett, it's Carey, it's Harris and it's Cutis. So we know Ego FA I think showed enough that with a reasonable growth, you know, he's going to have to spell Cutis, you know, when they want to stay big. Mm-hmm. So that's that's six. Look, you know, I know at this time of year, you know, most fans have Georgetown a pressing team that plays, you know, all 13 guys, and we saw last year with probably a more talented roster, right? They were playing 11 and then it went down to ten at the Texas game. We actually, believe it or not, was that was Javon Blair having a you know a healthy DNP. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to play eleven guys, right? It's kind of hard to play yeah. ten guys. So if we have those six players, let's just say they play a normal nine. Who else do we think is getting minutes? Do we think Dante Harris is getting minutes? Do we think Sibley's getting? Like who do we think? And obviously, this is subject to change. It's, it's
1: July twenty fourth. I think it's Clark. Um Clark. There's yeah, I there's somebody I whose opinion I very much respect who when okay. I got him reached out to me and said that's an absolute steal that Ooh. he thought eventually you're looking at an all big East performer. Um says he comes from a uh very well coached high school team and he played next to the kid going to Kentucky, um yeah. Fletcher and I mean my the friend of mine said he kind of does it all and uh high energy, does what he's asked and he he really couldn't say enough good things about him so that was encouraging to hear. Um uh, I don't if he played high level AU I can't seem to track down what team he was on so um, okay. obviously he kind of took off this winter. And I think he kind of provides you with a jack of all trades, athletic wing defender um who kind of fills in what you need behind Pickett. And, you know, if you want to not play super small, if Pickett wants to be on the perimeter more, I don't think it's unreasonable to pair him um, with Clark and then still have your center on the court, and that kind of makes up your front line. Uh, So I think the next guy in line for minutes would probably be him. Um, But that's just me speculating.
0: Yeah. 'Cause I mean, you know, oh, you know what? I mean, look, I I you know, I think I, I think I mentioned him earlier when we said this, but Bile didn't come here to not play, right? That's true, yeah. Um He I mean, if you look at his production,
1: I mean obviously very low level D one, but I assume they have a role in mind for him. Um he is athletic. Uh he's has legitimate size. I just wonder that transition up such a level uh, how he's going to adjust
0: yeah and then I think you have question marks right with obviously you know Berger um, it sounds like you're pretty high on Harris more so than you would have been a while ago and then you've got sibling and Holloway I mean I don't think it's crazy assuming that there's a season and I'm sure people hate me saying it that way because it's still hard for me to wrap my mind around it yeah uh, you know you just, you, you can't play 11 guys. And I haven't even mentioned Wilson, who, until I see something, it's hard, you know, I mean, I can't, it's it's hard to sit here and say, I think Malcolm, Malcolm Wilson's going to have a place with, within yeah. the rotation, with literally never seeing him outside of last year. Kennerly, yeah. you know, looking like, okay, he can definitely run up and down the court, but.
1: And you have two centers ahead of him. I think, you know, even if they might not admit to it, that they did it intentionally his red shirt last year. Yeah, But I think redshirting one of the freshmen again kind of has to be under consideration and something I think I mentioned on the podcast this winter, you know, Jay Wright has said, you know, if we go above, I think he said 10 scholarship players, our culture is going to break and he doesn't ever want to do that. Yeah. Obviously Villanova gets to operate now from a position of strength where they can pick and choose who they want to bring in their program. Whereas Ewing is in a spot where, you know, I don't blame him for handing out 13 scholarships because you're trying to hit on one of these kids where they're a difference maker. So it's walking a fine line, but the chemistry and the culture obviously unraveled last year. So you have to make sure you get that on solid footing this year roles are allocated properly and you get buy-in and having a full boat 13 kids it, it makes that tricky
0: yeah and it unraveled with i mean i guess leblanc was not playing the minutes that we all thought he should have based mm-hmm. on what he did his freshman year but it did unravel with Akinjo, who was playing all the minutes he could have wanted so the yeah. playing time wasn't even the issue there it was just you know the personalities or whatever it was mm-hmm. the conflict between you know the co- between you know the player and the coach or the player and the player that we don't know and we can kind of guess maybe who it might have been but um but yeah uh and and also you know i think that when you go through a season like you did last year where you know imagine if they didn't get allen who i thought yeah when he committed i was like you know you just started on an nca tournament team that came a minute or two away from the sweet 16 and now you're coming to sit the bench, you know, and he wasn't playing a whole ton, but imagine mm-hmm. if he wasn't there when everything went wrong, you know, so there's gotta be that anxiety of like, look, look, I need all the players I can get. Cause I, you I mean, we just saw literally some yeah. crazy stuff can happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, But yeah, it'll, I, I think, I think, I think burgers probably, that's probably like Berger and Wilson are probably your safest bets when you're talking about the scholarship players mm-hmm. that of probably not playing a whole lot. So that gets you down to eleven. And then it's kind of like, you know, Halloway might get you down to ten. You know, I mean, it's I mean, at some point the math is just there. You know, you can't you can't play everybody. But yeah, I think that Georgetown probably had about as good of a week this week as they could have had based on the week before where the pitchforks were out for missing on Quincy Allen.
1: Yeah, and I mean, going back further than that, I mean, after Mac left, um, to kind of land where they are, which I still don't think, you know, if they were to finish eighth, if there is a season next year in the Big East, I think that would be an accomplishment. So it's not great by all means, but I think for reasonable expectations, I've, they've kind of pieced together a roster here that's as good as you could have hoped for, really.
0: Right. And the point of this, and, you know, people ask me online and, you know, there's a lot of people that are really upset about things and, you know, Georgetown fans, you know, if you're ever a certain age, if you're on, you know, if you're my age and you're around the, the unfortunately 40 mark, um, you're sort of accustomed to not having these lulls, particularly if you even, you know, if you're even older than me, um, you're accustomed to not missing the tournament that many times, but Ewing... who's not going anywhere, right? I think we all agree on yeah. that. He has to find a way to win with a group like this. And then you get that group to come in with Riley and Beard yeah. and Matumbo. But, you know, but like you got to find a way to compete. And they did last year, right? Like that's what they did. Yeah. Those guys competed. The problem is a couple of them had to leave because they graduated. Yeah. And I would also say, you know, and this
1: obviously winning games is the most important thing, but we're not used to lulls and recruiting either. Yeah, Which even, you know, late 90s, early 2000s with Estrick, I mean, on the court, it wasn't great. But you look back at those rosters and where those kids came from, there was still talent coming into the program. And then really up until the last days of JT3, you know, there was not much of an issue getting kids. So, you know, it was a good little jolt this week to get two kids, especially a high school kid. Um, So hopefully it continues.
0: Yeah. Um, Before we leave, have you, how many times have you um, used the cameo service to have uh, (laughs) Patrick Ewing wish you a happy birthday? I can't say I have. Maybe next year. Um, I don't know if you saw, but he's not the only college coach out there. He's the, by my quick research, and um, I think Calipari and Patino cost $200. Okay. And I think Chris Mack was 75, which Goodman's got to get him a better deal than that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I want to say Musselman in Arkansas is like 39, which is a really weird number. I don't know if like it's like a significant number to him, but $39. Yeah.
1: That, the interesting thing with that is all those names you rattled off are very active social media participants. So that yeah. was the thing with Ewing. You know, out of nowhere, here comes this charging 300 bucks for an interview. It was or
0: a cameo. It was
1: a little bizarre.
0: I tell you what, man, if you put like a list of 10 things and you said nine of these things are true and that was one of them, you know, like all the, you know, and you said yeah. there's one thing on here. Or I'm sorry, you said a list of 10 things and you said, yeah, you said none of them are true. And that was on there. I'd be like, oh, well, that's clearly that that's yeah. not a thing.
1: Then, no, I Yeah. yeah. I don't think any of those guys are hurting for money.
0: <laughs> I think I think I posted too. I think um I think you've got Sweetney on there. I think Rodney Pryor's on there. Um and then there's there's some total knuckleheads. You've got, you know, <laughs> I, I think uh as far as, you know, from who George fans would just absolutely loathe. Like, like if I had you know, unlimited money, I would send yeah. I, I'd pay to have JP Makura for $55, <laughs> wish you a happy birthday, right? That, that yes. would be hilarious. That would be
1: something. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Mike Sweetney sounds like the most appealing. That was always my guy.
0: Yeah, no, Sweetney and Braswell, those those are some yeah. teams. And, you know, next time we can do another another ode to Eschrick, who I seem <laughs> to in um, – the second, you know, I seem to have a new appreciation for him the last couple of months for whatever reason. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, big week for the Hoyas. Jordan Riley, um, the the dream class is still in play, which is kind of what you really wanted to be able to go to Ryan Matumbo and say, look, look, I'm yeah. your uncle Patrick. Look, mm. I love you. I need you. It's not just you though. I got some really good guys coming in with you. So it's not going to, you know, it's not Matumbo and the Miracles.
1: And I think there's a pathway for him. I mean, if he looks at it, you're going to have Wahab there for two two more years. You know, maybe you can pair the two together for a little bit on the court. And then it's, you know, he's the center at Georgetown.
0: Well, even though there's no Kenner League, I just, I really, and I, I say this all the time, so... Hopefully nothing else interesting happens. You know, there was the whole Mac stuff which generated so much more content than I ever thought there would be during the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. But um it's almost it's almost August. There's no games, but yet there's still just so much Georgetown news out there. It's really surprising. It's good. It's good for Kente Corner. It's good, you know, good. But I just it's it's surprising. It's it's really it's really surprising. But everyone can follow Nolan. He is at Nationwide Nolan on Twitter, good follow. You're also going to be subjected to some Miami Hurricane five star gloating for <laughs> football. Um, that's become you very. You want to see apparent. how
1: a, a team should be recruiting locally? That, that's it right now.
0: Both of the teams you follow. Both of the teams yeah. you follow. I don't that's know if people want to know. I think I've let it out there. And if you follow me on Twitter, you know who I follow for college football. They cannot recruit locally because well, there's a couple, but you know. Um, but yeah, Miami football recruit locally. Georgetown basketball, yeah. recruit locally. No problem. But yeah, Welcome follow me Nation, Nationwide Nolan on Twitter. I'm Bobby Bancroft. And uh maybe if you do a breakdown of Kobe Clark and uh maybe you'll get some stuff for uh A. Bile. I'm sure I'm just butchering his name. We can, uh, <laughs> I think we you can got it. we can talk that soon.
1: All right. Sounds good.
0: All right, I'll see you.
1: Thanks, Bobby.
0: Bye-bye. Bye.